0: The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. <laughs> John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that post the next.
1: Big job there from Duffy and Fred Meers. now. Down goes Duffy.
0: Oh, cool. does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian.
2: All right, here we go. 11 a.m. on the Screws, Eastern Standard Time. It is Monday, December 20th, 2021, episode 329 of the Anakin Florian podcast as we come down the stretch of a most memorable year. lot to talk about after the UFC's final live event of the year. There were also some other offerings on the combat sports plate that we will get to later in headlines. Uh, Morning, Ken. Flo, what's going on there in Charlotte, North Carolina, kid? What's
1: happening, man? I I think I woke up the latest I've woken up in like fifteen years. I, I woke up at like eight forty-five or something like that. No, no, yeah, almost nine o'clock. And my wife decided to make this eggnog last night, except wow. it's like eggnog with bourbon and Ooh. rum. And I don't typically drink, and it right. like it just destroyed me. I it was very strong, and I uh, I'm a wimp. And, uh, yeah, so I, I guess I slept well, but I kind of feel weird. I don't know. Yeah, I see, good.
2: I don't sleep well when I drink alcohol. Maybe I just need to drink more of it. Uh, but, <laughs> right. So 845. So was this because, like, you don't have to take a kid to school? Like, what allowed you the yes. luxury? Yeah,
1: exactly. No all school, right. uh, yeah. you know, Christmas you week or whatever. And uh, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. all right. So. I'm not going to lead the show with Jake Paul, you know, uh, we have certainly given him a lot of credit, you know, for his work ethic and other things. And certainly he put the capstone on a big year and, and there's a whole Tyron Woodley side of this. My word, right? I mean, my word, T. Wood. Um, but we got to lead with Derek Lewis over Chris Dacus in the main event UFC fight night. The knockout came at 336 of round one. Uh, Kenful, you had the Black Beast to win, if I'm not mistaken, Correct.
1: No, I actually right, had Docus.
2: All right, I did have Docus. Yeah. So I pushed out a tweet after the fact that said, "You know, I can't believe Derek Lewis was the betting underdog, right?" And certainly, I am a seasoned enough gambler to know that when they set a betting line, they are trying to get two-way action, and they got two-way action on this fight. Chris Docus, I believe, opened as a slight favorite and closed an even bigger favorite, right? But as somebody who's contractually prevented from not only betting on this stuff, but I can't give predictions on the air. And even if I have a lean, you know, I can't really talk about it. So this can certainly sound like retrospective and hindsight and all of that stuff. Right. But it amazed me that Derek Lewis could be had at plus money against a guy who made his UFC debut in August of 2020. I love Chris Dawkus. We had him on the air. He's a supreme athlete. I think he's a tweener a little bit between weight classes. I don't think he's a light heavyweight, but. Certainly, if I was contractually allowed to bet on this stuff, I would have bet on Derek Lewis as an underdog because he came in the most decorated knockout artist in UFC heavyweight history, and he was fighting a striker, you know? Um, So obviously, there's a lot to unpack, or I guess not much more than three and a half minutes, but I want to get your thoughts on that and on the main event uh, as it went down this weekend, my friend.
1: No question. Listen, uh, Derek Lewis obviously has the capability of just landing one shot and ending a fight. Uh, We knew that was possible. I certainly knew that was possible. Um, And for Dawkins, I thought that he had to fight a a pretty perfect fight. I thought it was possible for him to get in and get out. But standing in front of Derek Lewis, I don't care who you are. If you allow Derek Lewis to get in front of you, close that gap and just uh, uh, trade Derek Lewis is probably going to win those exchanges and it's not going to go well. So uh, Derek Lewis fought a perfect fight. He was patient. Docus was trying to try to land from the outside, was trying to look for a way to get on the inside and feint his way in. I don't think his feints were effective at a certain point. It's one thing to move. A real feint, a proper feint, is when you get someone to bite on something that they think is going to be thrown. And Derek Lewis, after a while, was like, he wasn't biting on any of that. And he's like, all right, none of this is real. I'm going to go and charge this guy. And that's exactly what he did. He closed that distance, got right in front of Dawkins, and, and took care of business. But uh, Derek Lewis, uh, again, it's only, you know, we talk about this every time, of how sneaky fast he is. You know, it's like you see this huge guy. You don't think he's going to move the way he does. He's throwing freaking double kicks and you know front kicks, you know high kicks to the head that you'd never think a guy that size would be able to throw. Yeah, he's an awesome athlete, sneaky good athlete as is Dawkins, but his size, his power, his speed, and his ability to close that gap was the difference.
2: You know, I'm not sure that Chris Dawkins is the Stipe Miacic type athlete that can bridge this size gap. You know, there are a lot of big guys, man, with consequential power in this heavyweight division. I think this was too much too soon for Dacus, and I'm not trying to be overly critical. Uh, I'm really not. But there have been certain examples when it comes to the UFC matchmaking, and they're few and far between. But I Eric Anders against Lyoto Machita comes to mind, even though he was competitive, happened very early yeah. on in his UFC career. Yeah. Remember a lot of people were critical of Jared Cannonier getting the Glover to fight in his fourth UFC appearance. It just seemed too much too soon. Um, and yet here was Chris Dawkins, if you want to defend the matchmaking as the betting favorite in this fight, right? So right. I guess I'm just sort of uh, surprised that that was the reality. And hey, you know, um, obviously they got two way action and it is what it is. And uh, Derek Lewis is chasing down Andre Arlovsky as the winningest heavyweight of all time in the UFC, 21 to 18 now. He's only three back of Arlovsky, but Arlovsky's probably going to get a few more before all is said and done. Um, but now Derek Lewis can fly I mean, what else can you say about the Black Beast? Doesn't necessarily have the championship aspirations. And I'm not going to sit here and call him a Hall of Famer, but. He is the most accomplished knockout artist in any division uh, in UFC history. I mean, you and I were there for some of the early ones Jack May right. and Gudo Innocent. Pretty incredible body of work for Derek.
1: No, it's extremely impressive um, what he's accomplished in the UFC. And, you know, when he gets it right, and when Derek Lewis is able to bring his weapons to the table, there's just not a whole lot of guys that will beat him. I, I think where, where he fails is, you know, putting it all together, you know, going against those guys who can definitely get it done on the grappling side of things. Derek Lewis certainly not known as an elite grappler, but it seems like he is working on that aspect and, and, and working on trying to stop those wrestling clinches and being able to break out of them. And um, if he does that, he's going to continue to improve. Uh, can he bridge that gap to the point of being a champion in the UFC division? I'm not sure. When you look at guys like Engano and Cyril Gon, it's going to be difficult. Uh, but Derek Lewis, you know, when when he has a good night, man, does he look good. And he looked great against Doc as a guy who was obviously on a hot streak himself. And um, he's, he's a
2: fan favorite because of it. You know exactly what you're going to get when you watch Derek Lewis fight. Sometimes when I'm betting the NFL, I try to be careful not to be so reactionary that I'm thinking so much about the previous week's result, because in a lot of respects, the NFL is week to week. And I think a lot of people maybe lean too much into the negative when Derek Lewis fought Seattle gone. I mean, in some ways, I think he was beaten before he stepped in there just because of everything Mm -hmm. that people were saying about gone. And then it all kind of. Was actualized or realized yeah. by Derek when they actually fought, but very happy for the Black Beast, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens with him. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him work his way back into a title yep. situation at some point. Uh, and for Dawkins, I guess it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I didn't hear much of what he had to say after the fact. Um, he certainly will still have supporters in us, and I think that uh, he needs to put on some size. You know, um, you know, maybe try to figure out a way to be kind of a grappling threat a little bit. What do you make of Dawkins' future now uh, in this heavyweight? Division. There are going to be some favorable matchups for sure.
1: No question. Listen, this is his first main event. Uh, not easy for any uh, UFC fighter going into that situation. I, I think it is a very different feel and different buildup to a main event than your typical, you know, uh, UFC fight. So I think this is an experience that uh, is going to teach him a lot. Uh, but more than anything else, I would like to see sharper feints. Uh, I do agree with you on the size thing. He is in between weight classes perhaps and needs to put on a little bit more muscle uh, and size maybe. Uh, but he does have that speed and that footwork to be able to get in and out. And And I didn't see that as much. It seemed like he was having trouble bridging that gap to get on the inside, land those shots and get out and create those angles. So um, I'm sure he'll be a little bit more comfortable with that. Derek Lewis is not an easy out by any stretch of the imagination. And, um, You know, if he can get it done on the grappling side as well, uh, he'll be that much better. So this is a guy who's constantly learning. It's still early in his career, and he'll be
2: back better. And he's got some big wins, right? I mean, we shouldn't discredit the Shamil Abdurahimov win, obviously, for Chris Marcus, which which happened not all that long ago. But, like, he wouldn't be a massive light heavyweight, Kenny, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, he wouldn't be the biggest 205-er in the world. I think he'd be an absolute beast if he, you know, was walking at 225-230 and cut down to 206. I don't know, right? Like Safe Saoud told me that if he was going to corner me for one amateur fight, that he would get me down to 25. Now, you don't look at me as a flyweight, right? But I'd probably be more dangerous there than 35, you know? Right, right. I mean, I don't know that dangerous really would be anyway. <laughs> um, but I'm telling you, I just, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. The eye test for me, it was just like a light heavyweight fight and a heavyweight. Right. Um, all right, we congratulate Derek Lewis. All right. If you're on the and Florian podcast YouTube channel right now, you know that Bilal Muhammad has a show on our channel with my twin brother, Jason Anik. Now, there are any number of different ways that I could go about supporting UFC athletes or you could go about supporting UFC or PFL athletes, right? That's one of them. Yeah, we gave the guy a show, right? Didn't necessarily know he'd vault into the top five in the world at 170 pounds, Ken Flo. Bilal Muhammad by unanimous decision over Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in the co-main event. 30-25 to 25 on one scorecard, 30-26 to 26 times two on the others. You had a lot to say about this on Twitter. We like when Ken Flo gets going on that Twitter machine on a Saturday night. Um, what did you make of Bilal's biggest career win to date? Uh, made it look relatively easy there against Wonderboy.
1: That's what was so impressive, John. It's one thing to go out there and beat him, right? Um, it, It's quite another thing to go out there and really dominate every single round. You just don't see that in Wonder Boy. You know, uh, Woodley in his prime really wasn't able to do that uh, against someone like Wonder Boy. You know, a lot of guys have struggled. You know, uh, whether you're talking about you know the Johnny Hendrixes of the world, the Vincente Luques and uh, Jorge Masvidal, all these guys kind of didn't look great uh, against Wonderboy, right? And you, and you go out there, and you see Bilal, um, and he just looked like a takedown machine. His timing, his execution, uh, his control was just tremendous in this fight. Um, and and again, I, I picked Wonderboy to win this fight. I thought Wonder Boy was going to be too much. His footwork, getting a handle on that footwork and that speed uh, is not an easy thing to do. But when speed and space is not your friend, you take that away. How do you take that away? You clinch the man. You slow him down by getting in there and you hug him. And and you get him down. And that's easier said than done because a lot of people know that. But can you go out and do it? And Bilal went out there and did it, which was tremendous. Each and every round, just dominant, man.
2: You know how you do it. You uh, request to fight Wonder Boy at the apex. That's what you do, right? I mean, can we – is there a way to overstate how big a deal the octagon size is in certain matchups, right? And I'm not taking anything away from Bilal, who is scheduled to join us, by the way, coming up here in 40 minutes. But Gilbert Burns had to fight this guy on pay-per-view in a 30-footer, which I think puts his win maybe on a different pedestal. I don't know that Gilbert Burns was as dominant as Bilal was physically, right? right. Um, but I certainly think the octagon size helps in certain matchups, Ken flow.
1: It definitely does. You know, I think it is a factor. Um, you know, you take away those those extra few feet uh, in diameter. I think it does make a difference. It makes the uh, ability to close that dis- distance easier for the grappler. Um, and you know, I, I think Bilal took full advantage of it. He did a great I job mean, of cutting off the cage and, and uh
2: finishing those takedowns. It's thirty-one percent smaller, right? It's like you're mm-hmm. up on the fucking apron, you're up on it like right away, you know. It's yeah. like you literally have to advance one time, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh but it's certainly something that the Thompson camp needs to have accounted for. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson on social media today. I want to apologize to my coaches, my family, and my fans for my performance. I'm motivated, not broken. So Again, I don't think he loses too much other than his top five ranking on the Thompson side. It sounds like he's going to try to rebuild and make one, you know, more concerted effort at this. You know, he does have some gray hair now. Um, we're going to spend a lot of the show on Bilal Kenny. What do you make of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson here in defeat? You know, he's not all that far removed from a win over Jeff Neal, which was pretty dominant. Um, but obviously he has shown to have a kryptonite in the UFC and he's been exposed by by Burns and, and, and now Muhammad back to back.
1: Yeah, listen. I, I think that um, he could, needs to continue to work on ways to improve his grappling, to, prove his, to improve his understanding of where he needs to be positionally, both on the ground and standing, when it comes to the clinch. And um, you know, he's been such a good striker, and he's he's relied on that throughout his career. How much time is he putting into his grappling training? I don't know. Um, and, uh, I, I think it's probably going to have to be a little bit more than what we've seen. And a lot of those improvements happens, not when you're preparing for a fight, but the in between, uh, times that you're having a fight. So in your so-called off season, which really right. doesn't exist for a mixed, mar- a true professional mixed martial arts fighter, you get better by just grappling all the activity based for a guy who's been doing it for 25 years if i take a couple weeks off i feel a difference so right. you know again for, it's especially the case for a guy who hasn't grappled for that long you have to be grappling every freaking day if you want to be better and for wonder boy he's just got he's got to put in that time um and that that really has been his kryptonite as you said and i think for him uh finding out you know what? What is going to motivate him at this point of his career is going to be important. He's been fighting and competing in martial arts a really long, long time. time, so I, I I wonder about that. And and now with two losses in a row, um, you know I I think it, he's going to have to find that within himself.
2: He apologized to his supporters for the performance. I'm curious about the preparation. I really am, because he had to know that Bilal was going to go in there and try to to drown him the way he did. He had to be mm-hmm. expecting that this was going to be the approach, and he knew the fight was going to be at the apex. And uh, all credit to Bilal. Control time, almost 12 minutes Seven of nine on his takedown attempts. Very impressive, and he will likely be in the top five when the new rankings come out. Now, in terms of what you had to say on Twitter and in terms of how you approach a fight against someone like Steven Wonderboy Thompson, now, Mm -hmm. there there was nuance to Bilal's takedown game, right? There were a lot of layers to what Bilal was bringing to the table, but it seems like, I don't know, maybe 60% of people out there are – just bored by Bilal's performance, some even going mm-hmm. so far as to calling it listless. And I I just, I can't help but get into the fray. And it's not because Bilal's my friend. It's like mm-hmm. when you're fighting Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, what are you supposed to do? I mean, Gilbert Burns right. was similarly criticized. I thought Gilbert put on a masterful performance, yet Burns goes over and apologizes to Dana White because he's mm-hmm. trying like hell to finish so much so that people thought he was maybe dirty with some of those shots down the stretch against Wonderboy. I'm mm-hmm. talking about Gilbert Burns and not Muhammad, but I don't know, man, like the appreciation or lack thereof for g- grappling and wrestling. Like I bang on jujitsu all the time. I tell people I never want to go back, but for me... The aesthetic of it, as a viewer, I love to watch grappling and wrestling domination, and it just seems like a lot of people maybe need to go watch Glory kickboxing if they did not enjoy that contest. Hundred percent. You know,
1: when I heard about the very first UFC and Keith had told me, um, you know, that he had saw it, I said, "So, so what happened? Was it just something out there and knocked everybody out? You know?" He's like, "No, it was just like." It was some skinny Brazilian guy who was taking people down. He was like, put them in holes. And I remember being so disappointed because that, that wasn't huh. my vision of what a fight was, right? Um, over time, it has certainly changed. But that's what we think. We think the fighter or a fight, a good fight, is just one that is done with just trading. And, you know... Um, Most wars, most battles aren't just, you know, uh, one-on-one, you know, one group of people with guns and another people uh, with guns that are just running at each other shooting. Like, that's not the way it's done. There's a lot of different ways to win a battle, to win a war, Uh, and you have to understand your weapons, and you have to understand the weapons of your opponent as well. Bilal understood this, and then he executed extremely well. Why the hell is he going to go and strike with one of the best strikers in UFC history, why would you do that? He, he, he will clown 99.9% of the people in the welterweight division of the UFC. Okay. So you, you're going to have to know what to do against someone like that, who moves really well. You take away that space, you clinch them, you take them down, you control them, you take them out of your element. That's what Bilal was able to do. And it was just brilliant. And you have to have an appreciation for it because listen, Bilal isn't the first person to figure it out, but he executed it better than pretty much everybody right. out there, right. and that is impressive in and of itself. Hey, it's one thing to know, hey, I, I got to take Wonder Boy down. No shit. But right. how right. do you do it, and right. how do you execute it? Bilal right. went out there and did that, which is extremely impressive. I don't care who you are.
2: Right, and how do you keep him there, and how do you effectively yeah. break him, right, at least a little bit in trying to break his will masterful performance for Bilal Muhammad. Very close to on the level of what Gilbert Burns was able to do. I guess I'd just give Darino a little bit, a little bit more credit because he he did it in the 30-footer and he did it first, right? But again, both right. of these guys, you know, deserve credit.
1: And I, I guess something else to mention, you know, to kind of what you were alluding to before, John, is, you know, another thing is we, we we've got fooled in some ways into thinking that entertainment is the number one thing we're supposed to go out there and do. You know, if you ask Michael Jordan, you know, he happened to be very entertaining and winning, right. but you ask him what his number one concern is, he wants to fucking win. That's it. I'm not here to entertain the Chicago fans. I'm out there to win Basketball games. You ask the Patriots, Bill Belichick, what's your number one thing? Or why right. aren't you more entertaining, Bill? I don't give a shit about being entertaining. I'm out there to win football games, period. Then maybe I'll be able to make some money. Look at Habib Nurmagomedov. Was he known as the most entertaining fighter in UFC history? We were, right. were, were we all excited to go out? No, he was a winner, and no one could stop him. And guess what? In that process, he could not be denied. He got the big fights, and he made a
2: shit ton of money right by winning and staying undefeated and certainly there's an entertainment component in all of that I mean there's nothing like a Khabib Nurmagomedov walked to the octagon by the end of his career and dominance is very entertaining too but yeah I mean look at Tyron Woodley his nearly an hour with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in the octagon on the way that he had to fight that guy and the thing too is like This isn't Bilal Muhammad at, like, 40 years old, final fight of his career. Let's just trade on a fucking napkin with Stephen (laughs) Wonderboy in the center of the octagon. He's chasing a world title, and certainly, ideally, the riches that may come with that. But when you are on a championship trajectory, to to all of your points, um, you got to win. And um, we'll see. He's done a lot of that. You know, it's pretty remarkable. Last 12 walks to the octagon for Bilal Muhammad, he's lost one fight to jeff neal right no contest against leon edwards and then 10 wins right 12 walks or nine wins whatever it is but the last 12 walks for bilal he's lost one time um pretty impressive all right Ray longo coming up here in a few minutes quickly want to talk to you about amanda lemosh and angela hill it was the fight of the night another tremendous showcase for the strawweight division people are probably sick of me uttering out that line but um just a tremendous, tremendous fight. And, you know, Angela Hill raises her ceiling for me in defeat. I really feel like she is becoming a layered martial artist. She is super tough. I have all the respect in the world for what she has done. I think her work on television as an analyst has helped her as a fighter. Um, you and I both thought that Amanda Lemos won this fight. And I know that we are in the minority. It was a close fight. You know, I feel badly for Angela Hill. She's lost a lot of split decisions. Um, But I'm really happy for my friend Angela in defeat. I'm very encouraged about Amanda Lemos as far as her future in the division. And uh, just what a great fight for the ladies over the weekend.
1: I I was excited about this fight. Um, You know, I, I think that Angela has, you know, turned herself into a a dangerous grappler in a lot of ways. You know, she's become very effective when it comes to getting to that clinch position. She stays busy. She has a very unorthodox style and it's hard to get a beat on what she's doing and when she's doing it. Um, And I think that really threw Amanda Lemos off. Um, Amanda Lemos though, when you look at her ability, man, not only is she one of the best athletes uh, in the women's division, but uh her striking her her tenacity her toughness her well-roundedness man, yeah, man. Uh, again angela fought her ass off may have fought a great fight in my opinion but amanda was just better if you look at the difference for me uh, angela was moving forward she was she was having some success but for me the difference in the strikes angela had slapping strikes amanda lemos had heavy strikes and they were just it was just cleaner she was landing cleaner um those moments when Angela was so close to a takedown, Amanda would reverse it or yeah. you know, push her off and then land a nice combination. She was just a little bit more vicious. And for me, the athleticism and the speed and the varied weapons was the difference for Lemos. Angela fought a great fight, but Lemos was just a, a little bit better when it mattered. And some people were surprised about the 30-27. Well, I had round two for Angela Hill as well, but I think that right. was super close. I, that really could have gone either way as well. It wasn't like it was an overwhelming win by any uh, woman right. in, uh, right. in that round. So I, I, I don't think that's, um, you know, completely uh, on call for, but uh, it was a great fight, and, and I think it really delivered.
2: And I think analytically you, you couldn't have set it up better. I almost have nothing to add, right? I guess I would add to Amanda Lemos, and I agree with all the superlatives, right? She's special, man, you know. Like there are just certain athletes that when you watch them, you just I don't know, man. I don't know what it is. You just believe. And she had to lean on her cardio in this fight. You know, mm-hmm. she was certainly tested in the hot department. Right. Yes. Very <laughs> impressed with Amanda Lemo switching stances, you know, um, she's clean, again, dude. she's good. She's clean, man. Really, really impressive. Uh, Would you make a Ricky Simone? You know, Rafael Asunca, not the easiest guy to knock out. And certainly it's a, a case of two guys going in different directions. But uh, it's amazing to see Simone, you know, a little pork chop when he's not in training and then just an absolutely <laughs> shredded animal on Dude. the scale.
1: And uh, That's for sure. I mean, hes he, he looks massive for the division. Uh, you know, I, I would never say I was a Ricky Simone doubter, but I'm not sure I was sold on him as like a guy who could be a top five or champion. I think that performance against the Sun Style really sold me where, yeah. you know, I, I think Ricky Simone went out there and didn't just win the fight. He dominated, just dominated. His wrestling was on point. His his connections were super tight, uh, stayed on him, was landing heavy shots. He just put it all together against a guy in a Sun Style who, you know, was one of the elite bantamweights for a very, very long time, man. I mean, he's got a lot of dangerous weapons. He hits really hard. And none of that phase, Ricky Simone, uh, delivered at the right time. And uh, I I was impressed, man. Uh, I'm sold. I mean, the the kid is very, very tough.
2: Is he not ranked? I don't even think he's ranked right now. It just shows you uh, the current state of the UFC's Bantamweight division. But uh, Killers. Yeah. I I have thought that he had a championship ceiling, and it's nice that we got Ken Flo on board now. Uh, Mataj Gamrod out of Poland is like 20-1. and He defeated Carlos Diego Fajeda. TKO... Yeah, submitted to the referee after that knee to the body. I don't know if it's, uh, if it's really Jason Herzog on Twitter, but he seemed to be self-critical of the stoppage here. I didn't take any issue with it. Um, it seemed as though Diego Fajeda sort of verbally acknowledged that his rib or something in the body was hurt to the referee. But uh, Gamrot's the story. What'd you make of the stoppage and everything else there?
1: Oh, boy. Um, listen, I, I think that uh, Gamrot just impressed the hell out of me. Uh, really had no fear uh, of the grappling skills of Fajeda. Just went out there and beat him at his own game, really. Uh, his wrestling is on point. He's very fast. He's a tremendous athlete. He landed the shots when he needed to, so he got the respect uh, he needed uh, with his hands. And that's what allowed him to get to those clinch positions. He was the better striker. He was the better grappler uh, or wrestler anyway. Maybe not the better submission guy, but certainly the better overall grappler. Um, And I I, I was very, very impressed by Gamrod. He's someone to watch. I don't think a whole lot of people are going to want to fight him. Um, Oh, I'm telling you. And, you know, he's a problem. He's a problem for sure. Uh, and in regards to the stoppage, you know, he hit him in those floating ribs. It reminded me very similar to, uh, when GSP stopped Matt Serra. you know, um, th- those, shots are brutal when you're in that turtle position, uh, and you land those knees to the floating ribs, those really can do a number on you. It, it could have been a broken rib, uh, certainly an injured rib that took his breath away. And for Heda, uh, you know, basically was done before the submission was, was put in there, but, um, Yeah, it was hard to see. I I mean, I I certainly didn't see it in real time. It was really difficult. It happened very quick, so I don't necessarily blame Jason Herzog for that. Uh, Herzog, one of the best in the game. But, um, you know, it would have been worse maybe if it was like a series of like, you know, uh, concussive blows to the head of Fajeda. Luckily, it was a submission instead of like punches. But um, awesome performance from Gamrot, man. Wow, what a fighter.
2: Yeah, I do consider Jason Herzog a friend, but I also think he is one of, if not the singular, best referee in mixed martial yep. arts right now. I did vote for him for Fighters Only Referee of the Year in 2021. All right, plenty more coming up on UFC Fight Night: Lewis versus Docus. Today's Ray Longo Minute is brought to you by NordVPN. It's
3: now time for the Ray Longo Minute. Punch a bunch
0: of hole in this fucking chest. That's
3: what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. John Annick and Kenny Florian
2: podcast. Ray Longo. Oh Ray Longo. Ray Longo. Uh, Ray Longo. Hey, Ray. Hey, Ray. I'm going to be really nice today because uh, some of the YouTube commenters maybe don't understand our friendship and they think that I have been um, wow. a little bit distasteful no, the, uh, going man, back the and mic-
0: with you. Man, I'm sorry, man. If Cody could get the microphone up, I could barely hear you guys. Oh, nope.
2: I did all that dancing for nothing, Ken Flo.
0: I know. I'm Ray, I Longo,
2: Ray Longo. Ray Longo. Man, I think Longo had some of uh, some of Clark Florian's uh, punchy man, you, eggnog. You uh, know what
0: stinks, Kenny? I can't hear this guy. Well, I can't hear it. him? And I know he's, can, you he's, he's, can you hear me? Can you hear oh, me? Can you hear me? Oh man! Oh no, he can't. I uh, gotta well, try he getting here. on. Ag- I gotta oh, try yeah. getting on again.
2: All right, we're keeping all, all right. this in the show, but let's get him yeah. out of here, and uh, <laughs> we'll see if Ray Longo can uh, can rejoin us. It was a big weekend for for team Sarah Longo, make sure we put Sarah in front of the Longo there. I did notice a fighter mention law MMA, which is Longo Weidman MMA. You know, maybe we're allowed to say that, but you know, I was alerted to the fact by our esteemed producer, Cody Merrow, that some people felt like maybe I was uh, a little bit hard on Ray. And now Cody's telling me that Sarah Longo gear is available now Hey, is that available on anicflorianpodcast.com? Code FAM15 for the holidays. If we're selling Sarah gear, like on our website, I don't even know what I'm gonna do with myself. So I'm hoping that uh, that's just like a misprint or something. Um, we are talking about Mataj Gamrot, Cub Swanson over Darren Elkins um, hey. with that incredible knockout. I don't know if he got a bonus, I don't have the bonus winners in front of me hopefully cubby swanson got a bonus the father of three but you know what an unbelievable moment for cub to have with his kids and you know i was thinking a lot about that after what amanda nunez and nina nunez were saying a week before about wanting their kids to get older and experience all of these fight weeks when i know my man ken Flo would have his daughter so far removed from this fight week as he's cutting down to 155 pounds or whatever it was um but uh what did you make of Cub, you know, bringing his kids and, and being able to have that moment with them?
1: You know, I, I think everyone's different. And I think, um, you know, that was a real special moment for Cub. Cub's a very emotional guy, as you can see. And, um, you know, obviously that the fight game has meant so much to him. And for him to be able to do that with them sitting front and center, a special feeling for him. Uh, it was an awesome performance against a guy in Darren Elkins, who is one of the more dangerous guys, one of the harder guys to put away, as we know. But I think the difference was, here's the thing. Darren Elkins, you know you're going to land on him. You know you're going to land some shots. Can you put him away, though? That's a different question. Right? Cub has enough firepower where he was able to do that and executed beautifully. Cub looked very relaxed once he settled into his positions and, and his striking, and uh, he was getting his feet moving. Um man was he landing and landing well and consistently and uh a- able to get it done. Um Elkins took a lot of damage yet again uh in-, in that fight and cub looked uh awesome, man. I was super happy
2: for him. And the patience to not force the finish, big right. stuff for uh Killer Cub Swanson over the weekend. All right, we will try to reconnect with Ray here in about 60 seconds, but Ken Flo, I'm trying to figure out my travel schedule for 2022, and I know there are going to be a few places where I'm not going to be able to get on my favorite gambling websites. Well, I don't have to worry about that anymore because no matter where we are, NordVPN now has us ready to surf the web safely, anonymously, and without restrictions. Not only are we protected, but sometimes the sites we use to stream, like Netflix or Hulu, don't have the same offerings in certain countries. Well, with NordVPN... We are given full control of our location, so the internet is always open and safe. And sometimes you can even get cheaper rates on certain streaming services as well. And I know you, Anakin Florian Podcast listeners and viewers, know what I'm talking about when it comes to keeping your internet activity safe and secure. We ain't going to snitch on you, but it's almost Christmas time and NordVPN wants to help the cause. They're giving you up to 73% off, plus a free bonus gift if you go to nordvpn.com slash afpod or use the promo code afpod when you sign up. Almost three-quarters off the price of a subscription. There's also a 30-day money-back guarantee if NordVPN is not for you. So this is risk-free. And you're also helping the Anticamplorant podcast as well, so we can keep this content free for you guys and gals forever. So all you need to do, head on over right now to nordvpn.com slash afpod. That is nordvpn.com slash afpod for more information or hit up our social channels as well. And click through the links for that December deal of 73% off from NordVPN and keep your data safe. All right, there he is. So it looks like you have some sort of headphone contraption. You need a new ce- cellular telephone.
0: telephone. Exactly. Can you hear me? Yeah, you sound great. Oh wow, this is better. Yeah, the, the, the other thing didn't work at all.
2: Kenny was talking about. Now it looks like Ken flows on mute. What a fucking disaster this is. <laughs> Kenny, are you there, brother? There we go. What's up? There you go. Right. We
0: only see we were only seeing half of raised face over here. Oh, right. there we go. We go. There we go. Anyway, I saw your boy Ryan Hall last night. Oh yeah. Yeah, what, what, he was in. He was in Texas. I don't know who he had, but uh, okay.
1: Oh, Carlos, Carlos Vera. He won. He uh, won. Right? Was that a Was it a fight?
0: Yeah, yeah, it was a fight. Yeah, yeah. yeah what, a, nice. what a what a what a sweetheart. You know, I, yeah, I think I did meet him once before, but he really is just a just a really sweet nice guy and yeah. obviously very dangerous but uh yeah. <laughs> we talked about you a little bit but that, I'm just throwing that in there yeah. great night last night wait john awesome. fell asleep on this kenny i think he's <laughs> out he might be out
2: no <laughs> he might be
0: out. Hey. <laughs> he's out no come back no. john How no i was it?
2: just uh making some notes on pumi Nakuda. Oh,
0: we got lots to talk
2: about. We have a ton to talk about. So I don't know when we were getting connected earlier, if you heard what I was saying, but it seems like the listenership feels like I've been a little too hard on you lately. Maybe they oh, don't yeah. understand the genesis of our friendship. So because <laughs> I got a million places I could go right now. Where are you right
0: now? Listen, I'm just impressed that we. I have a genesis with you. I don't even know what that means.
2: Synthesis but. is maybe the better word. I
0: mean, Syn- where where Syn- are you? What do you mean? I'm in Houston. What are you doing? Oh, you're still there. Oh yeah, no, we had a fight with a big uh, Nas uh, Sadiqov last night. Beautiful fight. Uh, Knocked the guy out in the third round. Uh, Got to catch up with a lot of people, which was great. Uh, Saw uh, Kendall Grove, Eric Shelton. Oh, oh, nice. Uh, Really was just a great time. Kendall Grove's got to be one of the nicest guys ever in MMA. Yeah, he's just a a, what a what a just. Great energy to see him, and it's always – I don't see him for seven years. It's like it was yesterday. He's just yeah. just a great guy. It makes yeah. the sport so much nicer for me, man. It really is just – we had a we had a blast.
2: That's great. I mean, you hate when people call you a legend, but you're a walking, living legend. So when you fly at <laughs> home right after – you leave right leaving Houston right after the podcast,
0: and you're going back to New <laughs> York, right? <laughs> I tell you, this is why the fans are on you. You're bullying me. Yeah, actually, who would have thought John Attic was a bully, Kenny? Know, Seriously, who would have thought that?
2: <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> in television feel misunderstood, right? It's like right. my family likes to joke with me. It's like it's amazing. People think you're a nice guy. You're a fucking asshole. My <laughs> twin brother always tells me. So 3-0 and for you on the weekend, though. Pumi Nakuda, let's start there, right? So he had a little cameo on our show last week, and I said he's the best flyweight in the world outside the UFC. Then your guy Steve Lee takes issue with that. God loves Steve Lee, but he believes that Pumi right now, with respect to Brandon Moreno and everybody else, is the best flyweight in the world in the UFC or outside the UFC. So I know he's hyping up his guy, but this kid can fight, man. He can cut a promo. Looks like the total package to me. Talk to me about Pumi Nakuda and how you think he stacks up right now with the truly elite world-class flyweights.
0: Well, I'll tell you, cutting a promo, he's up there with the best of them. That's for sure. Uh, listen. He's five and zero. He's defended the belt twice. Won it, so he's got you know since the uh, you know only only five fights, but I don't think he's lost a round between his amateur career and his pro career. And you know they are flying guys in. They're very. This kid was tough. The kid before this was tough, and the guy he won the title was 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 tough. Uh, you know he had beaten the guy that was just on the contender series. So. He's he's ready for the next jump. He, he really is that good. You know, when you're working, like he he could stay toe to toe with Marab, which is a big thing, and he's a twenty five pounder, uh, and he's got Aljo to work with. He he's so he's surrounded by great people at that weight that he could work with. So we got to see, but he's ready to go. I mean, I don't know. He's just uh, he. Not only is he he's just dominating every round that he fights. And he's
2: right. I mean, what so what are they going to do oh. with him right now? I mean, do you think it'll be one more? Um, do you think I mean, the contender series probably doesn't make sense? He's probably ready for the UFC.
0: Uh, either way, just wants to get in there. You know, he'll yeah. if he has to prove it in the contender series, yeah, he'll prove it in the contender series. If he's they throw him right in there, uh, that's that's fine too. He is he is that good. So it's not like he, you know, he's just talking, he is training with guys that are in the top right. five. Right. And you know, we all see how the training goes. You know, so he's he's right where he wants to be. And you know, if his head stays level, which he's really, really an intelligent, bright young kid, I think the sky's the limit for him. I really do. He's he, he's just an athlete, and he gets it. You know, so uh, I I don't know. I don't know what else to say about him. He's just uh, he's unbelievable.
2: I'm curious for an athlete like that, undefeated, and sorry, Ken Flo, I'm just curious, like, if the mentality is, do, am I try to stay ready for a short notice opportunity because I want to get into the UFC that way, or do I want to go the contender series path, you know? Um, but I think a kid like that who has not just the skills, but um, a personality and all the confidence in the world, I, I don't know, man. Look, like, you have to you have, have to love
0: him, show. John, even when he jumps on for the, uh, you know, even last week, he's just right. his personality is infectious, man. He's just a great kid. He was a great kid the second he walked through the door. And I'm um, just glad to see he's doing good. He did suffer an injury, though, so he will be out a little bit. So hopefully that doesn't interfere too much with what's going on. But what I, happened? Dep- he broke his hand. All right. So that sucks. But, uh, you know, the thing with the UFC, it looks like the contender series or looking for a fight is the best way in at this point. I don't know how many people they're really taking any other way. Is Is that correct, Kenny or John? You would know better than me, I think. No,
2: p- perhaps so. You know, I guess I'm just curious from an athlete's perspective, right?
0: Um, oh, he's ready to go right in. If that's what yeah. you're asking, he's, he's 100% ready to go right in.
2: Yeah, because this climate has produced a lot of short notice opportunities. And um, oftentimes that can be um, a high profile way to sort of bang the door down. Um, all right. In the nature of time, we're going to talk to Bilal Muhammad coming up here in 12 minutes. I guess I wanted your thoughts on yeah. on that fight and and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, who who kind of took to social media today – took to social media today to sort of apologize to his fan base. Um, Did you watch that co-main event? If so, what were your thoughts on it?
0: Okay. So, you know, obviously it was flying and, uh, you know, I missed everything. But last night I went back and kind of watched it late. But, you know, it looks like the wrestling, you know, just is that Achilles heel that he's going to have to get by because – now everybody knows which 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 path to go, right? Because it's it's funny. When the fight's standing, I mean, even if it's for twenty seconds, right. He is he is lighting the guy up, but it's twenty seconds as compared to another four and a half minutes of just control time. And uh, you know, Bilal did a great job. I think he just looked at the Burns fight and he kind of did the uh right. same thing, you know.
2: What do you make of the fan base being critical? Of a guy when he wins like thirty to twenty five against one of the best kickboxers in UFC history, like what? What do people? Is it just ignorance? Like, I, what do they want? Balow with his skill set to do in that matchup? Like, try to stand and trade with the guy? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Am I too critical?
0: No, no. But but we're addressing we're addressing something we shouldn't even be addressing. Is I, know. Like what, I know what the what the fans think. I mean, I we love we, we love the fans, but I mean you yeah. n- you can't please everybody all the time, you know that right so You're that right. that yeah. that's more right. and I think Henry Hoff said it to to uh i think he said uh, after the fight even to Gilbert, like why would we take another path when this is the path you know this is obviously the path to go if you have the ability with the takedowns to get that fight to the floor, why would you you know it's m m a why why yeah. would you do anything different? but look, we all know that everybody loves a pier six brawl i mean that's that's a definite you know dana loves that the fans definitely love that two guys just standing in like chandler and gaethje and duking it out but you know that's not always the smartest thing to do right so you want to please the fans or you want to get a w you you, you have as a fighter you have to decide on what you want to do and what you think you can make the best of your skill set and then just go with it and Bilal did a great job. Wonder Boy will probably be the first guy to tell you that. Uh, and that's yeah. it. You know, I
2: need a Pier six brawlers t-shirt, right? See, I'm trying not to be a dick today. I was going to come on here and be like, oh, look at Bilal just taking the boy WB <laughs> down at will. I ain't going to do any of that. Hey, real quick, my man. Uh, yes. If I'm Tyron Woodley, like oh. I'm giving myself a fade this week. I'm not going into the barbershop. I just don't want that noise. Right? And You know, like Ken Flo could could, you know, take three hundred and fifty four hundred thousand dollars to go box somebody. Right. But he doesn't want to walk into the barbershop for the rest of his life. And people being like, dude, you got flatlined by Jake Paul Um, (laughs) and Ken Flo's defense and jab is too good. It wouldn't happen. But, you know, I feel bad for my guy. T Wood. You know, I've spent time with him in Ferguson, Missouri. I know the family well. Um, He's trying to sort of put the sport of mixed martial arts on his back in some way and um, ended up you know, face first on the canvas, courtesy of a big right hand from Jake Paul.
0: I mean, he he went down worse than Askren. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. no, I mean, Much more violent. Uh, yeah.
0: Look, I'm sure he made money. And guys, what you have to realize is that. And I think we all wanted Woodley, right? We all said, no, he's going to make the adjustment. He'll be more aggressive. You know, he kind of hasn't done it in the last five, but we just get sucked right in there but at the end of the day you know what they say follow the money trail you got to follow the money trail that's it and that's that was the problem man. I don't look this this kid is he's a he's a decent boxer he really is he, uh, not a, not maybe not even decent but for where he's at for three or four fights he definitely can box a little bit so I, I, don't, I, I turned the fight off after the second round. Like I go, it just was boring. And right. then when did, what did he get knocked out in the fourth or fifth or Six. sixth round? Yeah. Then somebody showed me the highlights and I'm like, I don't know. Just I'm, I hope he's happy financially because I don't think happiness is coming in any other avenue <laughs> than financial.
2: Ken Flo, what do you got for us on uh, Woodley Paul 2 or Paul Woodley 2, I guess?
1: Yeah, this was tough. You know, listen, I I think uh, Paul has established himself as a big, strong kid. He obviously has some pop in his punches, and – Um, for me, I think it was a misread by Woodley, right? It's almost like, Ray, like he was parrying a teep or something like that with his hand. Like, I don't know what he was, I don't know if he made, the only thing I could think of, maybe he thought an uppercut was coming, so he was going to block it with his hand. But one thing you you don't really do, it's not karate where you're, you know, blocking punches and all. Usually you just cover up and you keep them here the whole time, especially for boxing. You know, those the only shots that are going to come are going to be hand strikes to your head. Without a doubt. why, Why he did this, I don't know, but um, listen, we all make mistakes out there. It, it was a tough one for Woodley. More than anything else, it's like I, I don't care about the loss uh, as much. I just I hope he's okay. You know, physically, that was a rough one. Yeah, man, you get knocked out like that and you just go out, and you're out. I mean, he's not out like almost and kind of like slowly goes to the canvas. He literally no, that out was just... on the feet, and it was like a tree falling where it just went face first. Th- those are brutal, and that's not a good sign. And I just hope my man Tyron is okay, and I hope he made some good, good coin for that fight as well. Um, but, you know, the, the Paul brothers, they're picking the right guys at the right time. It you know, really like, is.
0: Yeah. As, ty- as good as Tyron
1: was, or as powerful or as dangerous as he is with his hands and stuff, he, he's not a professional boxer, right? They're picking guys no question at about the it. end of their careers who, you know, so I don't know. Kudos to those guys. And, uh, you know, we'll see what he does next. He's talking about MMA, maybe. I, I, I don't,
0: know. I don't not, know. Not not only that, they're picking guys way below their weight 20 pounds before yeah. they I mean, you Willie's know.
1: way smaller. Absolutely. Yeah, like it's
0: just, it, it's, they seem like good guys, though. They really seem like decent. They're, they're doing a great job with the marketing. I think they it seems like they're very generous. Right. He made Woodley a great offer, I think. Right. An extra 500 grand if he knocks him out or something. So he's yeah. they, they, they got something going on, man, for sure, oh, which gosh, is man. Oh, boy. My gosh. I can't
2: believe T wood is on the wrong end of this highlight for the rest of uh, eternity. And I've been a Jake Paul supporter, right? Like it is encouraging for me to hear you call him a decent boxer, because I saw a video from smiling Sam Alvey on social media. And he's just like, Sam's the nicest dude on the roster. And he's just like, Oh, like he's just not a good boxer. Like Sam's like begging Masvidal to somehow, some way position himself to take this fight because he just wants to see Jake Paul humbled. Um, The odds for Jake Paul's next opponent bet online. Anderson Silva is the favorite right now at three to one. Tommy Fury, Dylan Danis, Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor, Masvidal on and on it goes. Floyd Mayweather, Oscar De La Hoya, Mike Tyson, Canelo Alvarez, KSI. Um, Anderson Silva is the betting favorite right now to be the next opponent for Jake Paul. Um, Would you wet your beak with Anderson Silva? Uh, Certainly in terms of the size, Ray, more comparable.
0: Yeah, again, so we get the size right, but the guy's 50. I mean, I, you know, like it's it's always going to be something, Kenny. I mean, all right, exactly. so now we got a guy. Exactly. I mean, it's like, it's almost genius. I, I want to give right. the kid credit because he's, he's outsmarting these guys because he entices them, and he's always got the advantage. So I don't know. Who's better than him? I mean, yeah, uh, we, like, again. We keep it,
1: trotting out – we, as MMA guys, we keep trotting out swimmers for sprinting. <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh yeah. Well, yeah. what if we send this swimmer out to race you on a, that's on a right. track? Yeah. You know? right. it's, it's like, it's a different thing. And, and and again, I couldn't agree more. It's like, yes, yes. Anderson Silva is a way better striker, but again, he's again, what do we? It's yeah. like, can we just send in a professional boxer to just, you yeah, know, right. just do this, or get an MMA guy in his prime, but then that's not going to happen. And he'll call out those guys. Cause the U- they're under contract with the UFC. So it's exactly. Like, you he, can call this, out whoever you want. You can call out Conor McGregor. You can call out Usman, or whatever. They're not going to take the fight. They're contracted to the UFC, exactly. and they know that. So anyway.
0: No, so it's it. That's what I say. But he does a a great job in selling it. He really right. does. He does. So this this is going to put it over the top, though, with this knockout. This is, yeah. Oh, the Paul brothers is, are. This is funny, not man. This is not good. They might be genius, too. They are doing something right. I mean, you know, Floyd Mayweather started his career at 130 pounds. I mean, you you know, he's not a big guy. Great boxer, obviously, you know, one of the best ever, if not the best ever. But, you know, you took him at how old was he, 44? Yep. Uh, he weighed 140 pounds. This guy was 200. Well, you know, like, it's just doesn't. It, it is. <laughs> well, Floyd fought
2: again. Logan Paul. He didn't fight.
0: Oh, and what was the weight? What weight does Logan Paul well, walk around it?
2: Right. He's the bigger brother. Uh, He's the bigger brother. 185. Yeah. Yeah. The guy was fighting at 140 pounds. But even when you talk about Masvidal and McGregor, right? I mean, smaller guys than Jake
0: yeah, Paul. 100% it, again. You know? the, the, look, in boxing. You could have two great guys, one guy, 130-pound champ, one guy, 135-pound champ. Back in the day when boxing was as competitive as it ever was in the 80s, going up five pounds was was hard to do, five. Not 15, not 10, not 20. Five pounds was hard because everybody was good, and that five pounds made a difference, Kenny. It really did. I could give you example after example, so – What these guys are doing is crazy. I mean, that's like, uh, you know, this is like Mike Tyson calling out like a middleweight. You know, it's it's nuts. Yeah.
2: I'd like to see that.
0: I'd like to see that fight. Maybe Tyson and him. All right. (laughs) Well, it is
2: interesting, right? That, you know, we're talking. We didn't even ask you about Derek Lewis. um, because
0: We're talking about that. So, um, yeah. So they, they, they got us there, too. But it is I mean, it hey. is it is a funny conversation, and I think when you really boil this kid down, you know they they it's the new new age of thinking with YouTube and everything. It's even like when when Woodley wanted a rematch, the guy was like, "No, you can't have a you had your turn already." It was like he was right, in the schoolyard, right. like yeah, right. no, right. so it's something. You know, he's very seems right. like a fair kid, you know. He yeah. definitely. You know, oh no, no, you had your turn. It's somebody right. else's turn now, Tyrone. And he, yeah. like, what are we talking about? This guy is. I'm like, yeah. is this kid kidding? Give me my brother's ball back. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, god right.
2: awful fight though. God awful fight until it yeah. uh, until it was not. Hey Ray, yeah, wish you safe travels, man. Get uh, some I'm, pomade in your hair. You sound uh, great today. I, um, no,
0: I'm out, man. I I need a break. This was. I went from Atlantic City, yeah. back to New York. Jumped on a plane. Went to Texas. I mean. I don't even know where the hell I am. I'll well, be honest thank with you. For rocking the uh
2: the merchandise on UFC podcast. Yeah. We did not and any
0: anybody I yeah. forgot that I didn't give a shout out to. I'm sorry, but uh, I think I got everybody. I yeah. Want, oh well, you, you know. Will, uh, yeah. No, it's all good. All,
2: no, is good. It some cannibal guy that you forgot or something. Oh yeah,
0: Charlie that? Charlie the cannibal did yeah. he did great. He stopped his guy. You're just gonna uh, get out of
2: here and forget Charlie the fucking
0: cannibal. <laughs> Yeah, It was kind of like that, all but right. uh, I'm trying to think of who else I saw. It was just a it was a really good weekend. Texas was, was phenomenal.
2: All right. We'll get home Where safe you know. and uh, we will talk to you next Monday. Free form episode next Monday. So uh, safe it, man. That. appreciate all your, uh, all your time. And uh, the check is literally in the mail because it's Christmas time. So, oh,
0: dude, uh, I I, just can't, I mean, John and Kenny, if I tell you, I feel like a, like a 12 year old on Christmas waiting for that. that envelope <laughs> I, yeah, I, know, I really I know. do. You know, know. get some good candy, right? Get some good candy. um, I'm actually just more worried about what happens after I open the envelope. (laughs)
2: Yeah, yeah. All right, get out of here. All right, right. take it easy, guys. Love you guys. I'll talk to you. uh,
0: Hey, happy holidays, man. If I uh, I don't see, I don't even know what day it is today. But uh, yeah, happy Christmas
2: and all that. Yeah, and I'm glad you, you, you.
0: And I'm glad you married a Gentile, John, who can, you could oh. celebrate Christmas. With. Yeah, right. <laughs> to uh, get for the Christmas first, spirit. I mean, you're going to know what it's all about this year. I can't wait. Thank God for, <laughs> thank, thank God for Christianic, man. Thank God. <laughs> I'd say Look, he's yeah. he's actually mad at me again. Look,
2: no, I'm not. I'm not. My well, kids what do you want me to make strange. you feel better uh, if I say
0: Lechaim to you?
2: Like, what, are, what, are you, what are we doing here? Yeah, Celebrate I Christmas. So. I can just feel the anti-Semitism coming through. Lakaim. <laughs> Lakaim to uh,
0: Amazing. <laughs> Love you. Love you. Bonnie okay. Take it easy, guys. I'll there talk to you. Goodbye. Yeah,
2: and people are going to say I was rushing him out of here today. <laughs> and the reason okay. I'm rushing him out of here today is because now joining us is one of the best welterweights <laughs> in the world. Bilal, remember <laughs> the name Muhammad, if you'll just give me a minute to put my headgear on. Um, I'm so proud of you, man. I'm so proud of this performance. Um, yeah, look at that. <laughs> my brother. All right, so now joining us, uh, he'll be in the top five when the new rankings come out off a big win this weekend. A little formal here, UFC welterweight contender, Bilal, remember the name Muhammad Muhammad. You know, I'm gonna try not to cuss a lot. I know you're a fudge guy <laughs> over a fuck guy, but congratulations, man! Seriously, it's been a huge year for you. Uh, I know how hard you work, and um, obviously, everybody on this channel and everybody, I think for the most part in the MMA space, is really happy for you, man. How you doing?
3: Good, man. Uh, appreciate that. You do it. It's funny when you say fudge, guys, the MMA uh, fighting, they like quoted it and they like wrote it down. And I said, when I saw the word fudge on the thing, I was like, oh, dude, that's hilarious right now. Yeah. Right. And stuff, yeah. Like, oh, I got to make you a shirt. This fudge on there. I was like, all right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. They, they, the ESPN, they bleeped out fudge, if you're wondering. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. A lot to unpack when it comes to this win. You know, Kenny was voicing some of his support over the weekend on social media. Um, but relative to, to your expectations going into the fight with Wonderboy. Um, how did it play out? Um,
3: I mean, honestly, you know, when you're when you're getting ready to fight a guy like Wonderboy, the the top five in the world, uh, a guy who you've seen knock people out, a guy, a specialist, a hard guy. And at the beginning of camp, it was like a little bit stressful because you're you're overthinking it. You're like, man, I called up Raymond Daniels, he didn't answer. All these guys use huh. Raymond Daniels; they're all telling me to use him. Uh, call Sage Northcutt, and these guys aren't answering. Like, what what do I do now? And you know, just overthinking the process a little bit. And I'm just like, you know what? I got a good guy in me. I got a, my training partner, Ignacio Obama, is really good. He's a, he's very good at emulating a lot of guy styles. He's a younger version of him. And I was just like, what's, what do I need to do? What do like, stop overthinking. it? I called Anthony Pettis, asking his thoughts. And he's like, dude, don't overthink it. Don't bring in this guy. Don't bring in that guy. Watch Bazooka Joe. And I was like, Bazooka Joe. He's like, yeah, watch him. And he like sent me a couple of videos of his when he fought Raymond Daniels. And it was just in his face the whole time, like kicking and a pressure the whole time forward on him the whole time. And he's just like, trust me, that's going to work. That's what, that's what you need. You don't need to sit there and try to play the karate game with them or bring in a guy like Raymond. And then you're going to, you're going to be frustrated for the first couple of weeks. Cause it's going to be hard to catch his timing and thing. And then that's going to make you think, oh crap, if he's this good, what about wonder boy? Wonder boy is probably gonna be 20 times better. So just not overthinking the process, knowing that my team, my coaches, my styles, I could adjust to anybody no matter what.
2: You seem to move on pretty quickly after the win. Are you allowing yourself <laughs> to uh, enjoy the fruits of your labor? It doesn't seem so. It seems like it's just spinning it forward right away.
3: Honestly, no. Yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm, like I said, the goal is the goal. Once I get the goal, that's all that matters. But, uh, yeah, I'm sitting here like, man, dang, I should have called out this guy. Should. Well, this one makes sense now or that one makes sense. It's just because there's such a log jam at the top of the division with none of these top five guys wanted to fight. And then you got Chmaev right there too. That's another huge name. That's honestly probably bigger than the, any of the top fivers right now, just on name value. So you're like, what's next? Or like, what does the UFC want? And then I know that Kamaro is going to take some time off and he's not going to fight for a while. So you're like, I'm not going to be the guy that's going to sit there and wait. And all of a sudden a big fight gets made. And you're like, dang, I should have, I should have called for this guy. Cause I got skipped or, there's gonna be a number one contender fight and the UFC likes guys that stay busy and I I'm injury free, so I wanna stay busy.
1: Bilal, w- what does this say about your skills? You know, I I look at this fight against Wonderboy and you know, you don't necessarily come from this high-level wrestling background where like we know, you know, you're this guy who you four-time all American national champion wrestler like that. This is this is how he's gonna win this fight. We don't and then you you look back at the Maya fight where you kind of You're able to anti-grapple and use your striking. And, you know, you have a lot of different skills that I think people don't really realize. And the fact that you're able to win and win in different ways, to me, is probably the most impressive thing. But how do you think your skills compared to the other guys who are maybe ahead of you in the welterweight division?
3: Uh, I feel like this year I showed a lot where my first fight of the year against Diego Lima, I threw over 230 strikes in a fight. And I, I know I had to stay in his face and pressure fight him. With striking, and then against Maya, I defended 25 takedowns, so I showed I could defend these guys' takedowns, and then against Wonder Boy, I showed that I could grapple with the best of the best and be there. And I don't need to have these big accolades of being a jiu-jitsu black belt or uh wrestling in college or anything like that. It's just all about hard work and the grind. And uh the team that I have around me, we're we're doing all the right things, and like GSP wasn't one of those guys that wrestled his whole life or anything like that. I'm not one of those guys, I wrestled one year in high school and but i just know that the work i put in the, the the mindset that i have i know how to be a fighter i know what it what it takes to be a fighter i don't need to uh, sit there and overthink a bunch of things i know how to put it all together and i think i'm one of the best guys in the division at putting it all together
2: so we're going to talk a little bit about the future yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Bilal. hey 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 you got me yeah <laughs> Yeah, not only have you made this monday amazing for me i don't even know where to begin i i was gonna be calm and i couldn't be calm i'm so happy number five how are you how are you feeling today Belly?
3: my brother man dude it means the world literally that that last episode we had before everybody was me like man jason's energy man is a whole different energy I'm like dude man his energy got me hyped up right now i was like dude he's the man <laughs>
0: If you
2: don't don't know know and you're only on the audio side, that is Jason Anik, who co-hosts Remember the Show here on this channel, calling in to celebrate you. Because, you know, I want you to celebrate this win. Like, that was a big part of today. And certainly, you know, before I let you go, I'm going to hit you hard on the Khamzat Shemayev stuff. Um, (laughs) And thanks, Jay, for calling in. He'll get his turn. By the way, oh, there he is. Are you guys having the Black Beast on the show this Thursday? Is that still Bilal in the works or what?
3: Yeah, I'm I'm just trying to get into it. I I went into his DMs again. I'm hoping that he responds this time. (laughs) But I was like, dude, I I got I got to go for it. I was like, he was sitting there in the jacuzzi. I was like, yes. Hey, Luke, call him over here. Tell him I need to talk to him. He's like, what do you want to talk to him about? I was like, don't worry. Just turn your camera (laughs) on. He's like, what? I I need to know what we're talking about. I was like, dude, just call him over here. And he came over there. And then I recorded him. And then he saw uh, Luke recording. He's like, damn, (laughs) I got you. I was like, yeah, we got him. Got him.
2: Hey, do you see my face or you just got my voice?
3: No, he got your face.
2: All right. So. Hey Flo, great to see you. By the way, have, Good to see I've you n- too. Have you ever seen anyone ragdoll Stephen Thompson like that? Pick him up, no, just pick him up and huh. ragdoll. Him. <laughs> Bully, I got that number. Go ahead.
1: Uh, Balog, did you did you even get hit? <laughs> honestly, seriously, no, seriously. It, it didn't look like he did.
3: Like, yeah, honestly, no. As literally, I got no. Like, don't. The, the worst thing I have is. Uh, rug burn on my knees like that. The the you <laughs> don't understand how like
2: when you, your knee scrapes on there it's like sandpaper. I'm you like take the there. shower
1: after you're like ah yeah.
3: I'm like yeah. what the yeah. fuck happened? Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, uh, Jay froze. So we thank him for checking in. So super impressed with the performance. And you know we spent a lot of the beginning of the show sort of talking about the fan base and maybe i lean into this too much when i see some of the criticism in terms of the entertainment value of your win and ultimately winning is the most important right the boss was certainly happy with the performance you know um but i sort of come to your defense when i see people sort of wanting like a kickboxing match it's like 30 to 25 it's like how are you supposed to fight this guy man it's just like i don't know man i thought you fought a near perfect fight you should be happy about it you know yeah
3: yeah, I'm not where Like, fans in general, I mean, he has twice as many followers as me, so obviously he's going to have more butthurt people uh, after that win. But I'm like, I'm not going to sit there and kickbox with him, but I, I was I was prepared for it. I was like one of those where I'm like, all right, I didn't have to use it. Like, I, the whole training camp, I'm sitting there like, all right, well, he's going to throw the spinning kick. He's going to throw that. I'm going to be right. I have to rush him right after that. And, you know, when you're fighting a guy like that, you're thinking about, you know, when you're going to sleep, you're thinking about Wonderboy. I watched him my whole life. I, I've seen him. I've seen him knock guys out with spinning I've seen him knock guys out with that straight cross. I've seen him knock guys out with other things. And you're, you're, you're like, all right. What do I do when this happens? 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 But I didn't have to get there because I got to the wrestling and I was like, I, I, it was easy. It was I was able to control him. I was like, all right. Well, if Plan A's working, why well, am I going to go to Plan B, C, or D?
2: Yeah, training's hard. Fight night's easy. Not that easy, but easy enough. All right. So in terms of the division, okay. All right. So I got three names that no longer make sense in my opinion, because now you're in the top five. Okay. So Neil Magny, Michael Chiesa, Sean Brady. I don't ever want to hear their names out of your mouth. Okay. Let's start there. I love everybody. I'm just having a little fun. All right. So the guys in theory that would be ranked above you, if you're number five in the world now, Vicente Luque four, Leon Edwards, three Gilbert Burns, two Colby Covington, one. Now, When I'm calling somebody out as a fighter, you know, maybe part of my inner monologue is what is Dana's relative interest or appetite for that fight? I don't know what his appetite is for a rematch between you and Leon Edwards. But it would seem to me that Leon maybe doesn't have the appetite for it for one reason or another, and I'm not sure if Dana does or not. So I'm not sure that Edwards is going to be next, right? Then there's this guy, Hamza Chimaev, who's number 11 in the world. He's a fellow Muslim. I know you're not going to call him out publicly, you know. But some people thought this would have been the perfect platform to lay the foundation for a Chimaev fight that you know would get the boss excited. We have put out an Anakin Florian podcast poll, and it seems as though most people think you're going to get Gilbert Durino Burns. I know I gave you a lot to unpack there. Um, What do you think about everything I said, and ultimately, who do you think it's going to be next?
3: Um, Yeah, honestly, it was one of those things where you just be number five in the world – and you're like, all right, you know what? They never talk about my name into, in the title picture. They never talk about this. So I'm like, you know, whether there's nobody got the title fight right now. So I'm like, let me just put my name into discussion, whether I get it or not. All right, at least they're going to discuss it or sure. bring it up now. So I'm like, all right, cool. But now after sitting back and thinking about it, um, like the the two that I would really want or which I think would make the most sense uh, is either Kobe or Chimaev. Yeah.
2: And the thing yeah. is true is that I don't mean to not say Kamar Usman, right? Like, I just laid out no, the rankings, no. and I didn't mention the champ. But, bro, you're fresh blood. You have one loss in your last 12 octagon walks. Like, I don't think stranger things have happened than you getting a championship <laughs> opportunity. I think maybe it's a main event, one more win. But you could get a title yeah. shot. I'm not saying you couldn't. No, yeah, yeah, of
3: course. But, like you said, like, there's always – the the world thinks that uh, Leon deserves it for being on a 10-5 winning streak. So, it's like, all right, whatever. Um, and, like you said, I don't think – Leon didn't respond or say anything on the, on social media or anything since the fight. So I'm like, all right, you know what, whatever. He doesn't want to fight. So it's like, all right, I know Chamaya wants to fight because he commented on one of the posts or something like that. So I'm like, all right, well, that would be exciting. And like you said, he's the the guy that the world thinks is the the one that's going to dethrone Usman, the boogeyman, the guy that everybody's afraid of. So that one hypes me up because it's like, all right, you beat this guy. There's no excuses for the Maya. Oh, well, Maya's old. Now, for the Wonder Boy, well, you did nothing but wrestle him. All right, what well, uh, now that I beat this freaking hot prospect that wrestles and knocks people out, then what is it? It's, it's the, like the Drago Rocky story where you're looking at it like everybody thinks this guy's invincible. So I go ahead and never beat him. And I think I have the style to beat him. Then uh, I think that that literally puts me ahead of any of these guys, especially if Usman's really going to take some time off and not fight. If I get this fight in before uh, summertime or before, uh one of the big cards or anything like that. And Usman does have some time off. You beat him, you steal all of his momentum, all of his uh ranking. So and,
1: and would it wouldn't it be a better time to fight him now since he he doesn't have as much experience. He hasn't had a fight in the UFC. Like he's just walked yeah. through guys. So it's like, all right, well maybe I get my hands on him, see what he's made of.
3: Exactly. Yeah. And it's yeah. One, like you said, it's one of those where you want to be the first one to do it. Even with right. uh when Gilbert Burns fought uh Wonderboy and you're like Nobody really tried to take Wonderboy down in any of his fights. Everybody was mm-hmm. – a lot of his guys were strikers. A lot of his guys were like Darren Till or uh, Whitaker or all these guys that no, – none of them really went in there with the mindset of trying to take him down. So Gilbert went in there with the mindset of trying to take him down. And obviously it was – like he didn't – he played it a little bit safer because he stayed on top of because he's like, I don't want to get to the feet. I don't know how good he is off his back or getting up. So he's like, let me just hold him down. I realized that he didn't have anything off his back. So I'm like, all right, let me throw more ground upon into there. Let me throw – the. A lot more ground upon pound than Gilbert did. So, but it's like, all right, now I know this. So now if I go in there against a guy like Kamza, i be the first one to figure him out. There's nothing that, they can't deny me after that. Especially right. when you got Dana White talking about nobody wants to fight this guy, blah, blah, blah. And I literally show Texas to my manager of, yo, let me get my, uh, I'm I'm down to fight him right after his last fight. And I'm like, these guys will sit there and call him out. On twitter but i'm like yo i'm texting my manager who literally yeah. could All talk right. to dana and, and holla at dana the, the right way like right when these guys say that this on social media i'm looking at like neil magny like this guy always keeps talking about oh, i want to fight this guy i want to fight this guy on social media but this guy's obviously not getting fights so i think it's obviously on his end where a fight's not coming through or something like that because when he was calling me out for a while and then uh my manager told me like because I, I met my manager like, yo let me get magny and he was like before this whole Wonderboy thing, and he was like, "Well, Magny's fighting Daniel Rodriguez," and then I found out he actually was fighting Daniel Rodriguez, and Rodriguez ended up getting hurt later on. But I'm like, "You're sitting there calling me out on social media, but you have a fight. So why are you acting stupid for and lying to the fans when you're when it's, you're just being fake?" And right. I'm like, "I think he's being fake with all this. I'm a tough guy, talking stuff like that. I would actually fight Chemaia, but I would actually sign the on the dotted line. So I'm not one of those guys going to lie about it."
2: It's incredible, man, what you've accomplished this year, you know, inside the octagon with your podcast, television career, the social media is hopping, you know, and certainly as a guy who is so intertwined with his fan base on social media, certainly nice when you have a win like this, right? You know, to be able to sort of celebrate that because you got a lot of believers out there, you know?
3: Yeah, I got a lot of believers except for, you know, uh, Kenny Florian who picked against me, James Crow uh-huh. picked against me, but it's all good though. I took that personally, but it's all good. My, hey, my team believe in me I know the Anik brothers believe in me
2: hey I you know how much belief I have in you and I uh, couldn't be happier and it couldn't happen to a better dude and uh, I wish you all the best in the next fight whether it's Covington or Burns I have a sneaking suspicion that I'm going to see you in Rio de Janeiro uh in May but we'll see you know um you never know but congratulations on a big win my brother and I hope you can uh enjoy it and um so when are you back in the gym? I mean, I know you're a workhorse, but uh when are you uh like really my hit sister it literally
3: up? just messaged me in, now, you want to go to the stairs. So I, I'm like, yeah, you know, it's nice outside. I'll go to the stairs, hit the right, stairs a little bit. Just get a get a workout, in. cause you know, I, I just Jared messaged me in the morning and he was like, Oh, what are you eating right now? And I was like, Man, I wasted it because I was at the airport all day yesterday and I was like. I eat, like, candy and, like, anime pretzels, and, like, you feel like trash, and you're like – Yeah. It wasn't even, like wor- – it wasn't, like, a good meal where it's like, all right, now I got some good Chicago pizza or something like that. It, w- it was, like, wasted meal, so I'm like, you know what? Now I need to work out. I deserve to work out now.
2: All right. Well, uh congrats, my brother. Appreciate oh, yeah. you uh, carving out some time for us. Have a great week and a Merry Christmas, and uh, a Happy New Year, brother. We'll talk all soon. All right, guys. Happy New Year, brother.
1: Congrats, man. Peace, Remember
2: brother. the name, Bilal Muhammad monumental victory over Stephen wonderboy thompson over the weekend and they will be live on thursday night with remember the show on this channel hopefully derek lewis uh is a man of his word and the black beast will be on um all right yeah we'll see what happens right and uh, there is a a muslim component to it right part of the reason why Bilal doesn't Hop in the octagon and call for the Chimaev fight is because he's not going to call out a fellow Muslim, but he wants that fight. And I think unlike some people, you know, I do think that Bilal would take it under the terms of his current contract right Mm now. Um, you know, people take issue with almost anything I post about Hamza Chimaev. And certainly I would submit to you that there are big names in that welterweight division that aren't in contention right now, like Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal, and even Conor McGregor that constitute massive fights at 170 pounds. But in talking about the welterweight contenders, I have long said that the biggest fight other than a championship fight against Kamar Usman is the Hamza Chimaev fight. And for one reason or another, you know, people aren't calling this guy out. Like, I do believe, right, that if Bilal, and he's heard me say this, right? So anybody who wants to bash me, oh, bash the guest on the way out. I'm not doing that. He's heard me say, like, dude, if you re- if you want the Chimaya fight and he wants it, like he wants it, right? Yes. This Saturday night can flow. If you win your fight and you hop on the mic and you just say you don't answer anything that Michael Bisping asks you, and you say, Hamzat fudging Chimaya. Let me feel that strength, big boy, okay? You're a light heavyweight. I'm in the top five now, motherfucker. Main event, right. February 12th. Let's go, okay? And then they sign the contract. Now, yep. he chose a different approach for myriad reasons. I'm just saying, like, if you really want the right. Chimaya fight, I think that's the way you go about it. Sure.
1: No, I, I agree. Listen, I, I do agree. Uh, obviously it's amazing the kind of following that Hamzat Chimaev has at this point. Um, I think listening to Bilal right here, obviously he's a very confident fighter and uh he's firing in all cylinders right now. I think it's I think it'd be an awesome fight. Um uh, is one of the few guys that wants to fight uh, Chimaev. Now is it a little bit more difficult to put together because They
2: share the same manager, is that correct? Is that right? I believe that Hamzat has since moved on from Ali Abdelaziz. And if if that is not the case, then... I certainly will issue a retraction next week, but I believe he was formerly managed by Ali. Um, oh, okay. But again, you know, when, when Bilal at the end of round one is yep. throwing those punches on wonder boy, Kamzad is like trolling Bilal on social media as if to sure. say they're pillow punches. So they're on each other's respective radar, you know? So yep. I think that, uh, I think that that is a fight that uh, that has some legs. And again, when I did a best of 2020 show for the UFC last year, they asked us all to come up with our dream fight for 2021. My answer at that time was Colby Covington versus Kamzat Chibayev. And it seems like maybe that would be the matchup. Vicente Luque and Gilbert Burns are not going to fight each other. They're super close. They're number two and number four. So I think Bilal's opponent could come out of that mix. I think Burns and Muhammad makes a lot of sense. But, you know, for Bilal... He's in the mix right now, and, and that's obviously a very exciting thing for him uh, and for his show and everything else. All right, got to get on out of here. If you're looking for last-minute holiday gifts, well, you can go to Cameo.com and uh, find my profile there, AnikFlorianPodcast.com as well. Code is FAM15 for 15% off your order. Go to Millions.co for one more sleep gear, and don't forget, Thursday night, remember the show live on this channel. Christmas Eve, I guess, is Friday, so that will be December 23rd. Ken Flo Merry Christmas to you. Do you guys have a real tree or a fake tree in your house right now?
1: Thank you, buddy. Merry Christmas to you guys as well. We have a massive real tree. Wow. I think I pulled my back like eight times just lifting me. This thing is at least 14 feet tall.
2: Do you get your tree? Yeah. Like, we got our tree in November, so it's like dead. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you got to water this damn thing. I know. And that, that's what I was worried about. Like, we got to water this freaking monster every single day. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was worried about it dying. Uh that that's the big yeah. threat.
2: But it's still alive. And, and you did alive. not you did not transport it to the Florian mansion on the top of your Porsche. Is that correct? You I
1: sure the, did. I put it right on the right on the SUV, oh, the Cayenne. Right on the yes. thing was massive. It just it was still it looked like a cartoon. This is how I'm big sure. the tree was. Yeah. yeah.
2: Griswolds. Griswolds. All right, kid, have a great holiday. We are back next Monday. We will talk to Juan Carlos Santana from the Institute of Human Performance. We'll talk to him about some of the misconceptions, maybe some of the things you hear on the broadcast about strength and conditioning that maybe are patently untrue. So hopefully JC won't give it to us too hard. Also details on our internship sweepstakes for 2022. And of course, the Anakin Florian Podcast Awards show, the seventh annual AFPAs are coming up on Monday, January 10th. With that, thank you to our guests Ray Longo, Bilal Muhammad, our executive producer. The man at the controls is Cody Merrow for Ken Flo, I'm John, and thank you all for listening, for watching. Hit that subscribe button; helps us in the long run. We appreciate it. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. We'll talk to you next Monday, the twenty seventh. Until then, don't text and drive. You later.